the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great, Rob. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. You and I are doing a webinar tomorrow, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. One of those pillars is tax-efficient investing. Let's talk some tax-efficient investing changes in retirement. What do we need to know? Well, in terms of changes in retirement, I mean, part of retirement planning is is starting, you know, 10 years plus out to make sure that you are funding the right assets into the right account. So it's still about asset location. So you, you figure out what your asset allocation should be between growth and defensive and the different asset classes inside of that. Um, and then it, it's still about asset location. So if you're starting from fresh in retirement, and you've got a mix of taxable accounts and retirement accounts. I, I definitely like to see in the taxable accounts large cap dividend achiever type stocks, some mid cap stocks as well, along with tax free bonds. Everything else I want to get in the IRA most of the time. So if you got two types of accounts, IRA account, account and your regular taxable accounts, again, I want the, the large cap dividend achiever stocks, stocks that raise their dividends consistently. Some mid-cap stocks, usually in the ETF type or the very tax-efficient mutual fund index fund type of a, a, a range, along with tax-free bonds. So um, that's what I like to – I mean, that's a pure form of it. It's not always perfect, but that's that's what I like to see is everything else in the IRAs. Okay. With that being said, um, tomorrow night, people can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. These are some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Um, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. Does corporate bonds, REITs, gas plays, do they go into taxable income or non-taxable income? What sort of account do you look at them in? Well, yeah, in a, in a perfect world, it's it's not always perfect. It, you know, I mean, there really is no perfect world because people have taxable accounts and retirement accounts and Roth IRAs and things like that. Um, in terms of corporate bonds, I, I usually don't like those in taxable accounts because they're always kicking off interest, and I like to be able to control my tax bracket. So if all of your corporate bonds that consistently are paying interest to you, if they're in your retirement accounts, the good thing about having them locked away in your retirement accounts is that, and locked away, I don't mean like you can't get at them locked away in terms of, hey, they're tax deferred until you decide to take the income. So corporate bonds, I like to put those in to retirement accounts, IRAs, things like that. Now, REITs, if you're a person that is drawing on your portfolio and you're taking pretty much all of the dividends and interest that are being created to live off of that, REITs can be okay um, in a taxable account because not all of the current income is taxable. Some of it is is they're giving some of your basis back. Okay. That can be a bit confusing, but they can be okay for tax-sufficient income. 
Um, I'm, I'm in the camp that, you know, REITs have done well because interest rates have dropped, but historically they're still paying a pretty low rate, so it's, I'm, it's not really a time to load up on REITs in my opinion. Now, the oil and gas issues, if we're talking about master limited partnerships, which are a type of corporation, just stocks, they still trade on the exchanges, but they're set up quite differently than most corporations, and they pass through a lot of items that aren't currently taxable. So master limited partnerships and oil and gas plays, and I'm not talking about the ones that you buy it up, you know, an oil and gas deal and you can't get your money back. I'm talking about publicly traded companies. And those tend to pay, you know, 6% range on the dividend, and not all of it is currently taxable. You get Again, you get a replace of, of your capital along with your income. So it's got a nice high yield. However, they can be very tax confusing because at the end of the year, they'll issue a K-1, which comes typically after you're filing your taxes. So you're, you're forced to hold a, a file an extension. Uh, so they can be a great source of income, but they're very tricky tax-wise. And you don't actually want to hold those in your IRA because if you buy too many of those in your IRA, they can create UBTI income tax. And um, it's a really boring topic for radio, but you got to be really careful. Now, you can buy them in the form of mutual funds where they don't have that K-1 problem. The fees are a little bit higher. So master limited partnerships really depend on your situation. Um, REITs, if you're taking income, can be in your taxable accounts. But most of the time, I still try to get those in retirement accounts so I can control when the dividends and interest are paid to me. And that way, I can control when I pay the taxes. It's pretty intimidating stuff. Yeah, you know, it's 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 all about the long-term cash flow projections. Okay. And people people have certain types of accounts, and no matter what they do, their taxable accounts are going to kick off dividends and interest. Sure. And you got your Social Security, you got your pension. There's a certain amount of income that's coming in, regardless if you spend it or not, in terms of the IRS's eyes and how they're looking at you. So you have a certain tax bill, regardless of what you're spending. So the idea is to not pay the least amount of taxes today but the least amount of taxes on average over your retired lifetime. And keeping in mind that taxes will likely go up in the future. Um, and keeping in mind that, you know, once you hit 70 and a half, you're going to be forced to pull a bunch of money out of your IRAs and 401ks, even if you don't want to. So you got to really look at the long term and not just say, what am I paying in taxes this year? But what am I projected to pay over the next 20 or 30 years? Fascinating. Like I'm intimidated by this. So, it should be a good webinar for people. They can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Another pillar is rebalancing your portfolio. That sounds a bit like knowing what time the market, you know. If you rebalance it last week when the market's collapsing on oil prices, is that when you rebalance it is not? How are retirees supposed to know when to sell and quote-unquote rebalance? Well, you know that you talk to um, some some people that are retired later in life and they're 70s and 80s, and it's like, um, what are you doing next week? Well, I've got a doctor's appointment on Tuesday. I got a dentist's appointment on Thursday, and it's kind of you know part-time job getting to all the appointments that you need to go to. Really, all it is, is is think of going to your investment advisor um, or whoever, and this is why it's important to work with a fiduciary because you, you've got to you've got to take a look at the portfolio every three months and say. Okay, I started off with a certain amount of cash, and I always have three years worth of portfolio draws in cash. So at the end of a quarter, if the stock, if the market has gone up, it doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter about timing the market. I know that at the end of the quarter, if the market's gone up and I've spent $10,000 of my cash, and I've got gains of $15,000, I'm going to pull off 10000 of those gains and replenish my cash. If the market's down that quarter, you don't do anything. You just rebalance inside the portfolio. So it's just kind of a quarterly checkup. And your your cash level set the rules for when you are supposed to rebalance your portfolio. You always want to maintain that three years' worth of portfolio draws in cash so that you can weather the next bear market. We never know when that's going to be. Thanks very much. Is there anything else that we need to know? We've got about a minute. Um, yeah, and I think another key that I'm going to talk about tonight is, I mean, sorry, tomorrow night on the webinar is you know, how you protect yourself from outliving your money. We've got, yeah, inflation's fairly low. 
gas prices are coming down, but healthcare inflation is still up at five, six percent range. And interest yeah. rates on bonds and CDs are practically zero at this point. Well, thanks very much. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. You can sign up for the seminar tomorrow night. It's a webinar online at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, up markets, down markets, you get the idea. Today, S&P 500's up 10, Dow's up 67, NASDAQ's up 17. Oil's flat. Eh, maybe it's down a buck at 56.21. Better than yesterday's showing, but... That's not saying a heck of a lot, I don't think. Um, Ten-year treasury sits at 2.07%. Yellen clause, that's what a lot of people are starting to think about as we end the year. Will Janet Yellen play the part of the Santa Claus rally? Instigator, I would say, is probably the right angle of saying that. (laughs) How I love that. Um, I don't really care. Like, if we end up this year up 6%, 7%, 8%, 9%, 10%, that's okay. To me, I'm looking at more of an aggregate. I'm looking at a bigger picture push. So I don't need that instant gratification. Um, yesterday was kind of a turnaround day. Things turned around more than once with the stock market. We started off lower, higher, lower, much lower at the close. So a lot of factors. Oil price, beaten record, right? The ruble exchange rate, where a lot of Russians are scrambling to get cash now, U.S. dollars. Some technical underpinnings. Some disappointment in the lack of mojo on the buy the dip. So... Kind of a lot of little things going on. Stock market appears to be making an effort this morning to write itself. The source of support, Janet Yellen Clause. The FOMC will soon be making an important announcement. The new directive from the FOMC comes out at roughly 2 o'clock Eastern. So about two hours before the market closes, 11 o'clock Pacific. Fed Chair Yellen will follow with a press conference at 2.30 Eastern, roughly 11.30 Pacific. And that directive and the committee's economic and interest rate projections will play a big role. There's been a lot of hemming and hawing about whether the Fed will elect to remove the phrase considerable time, quote, unquote, from its directive. That phrase, frankly, is more trouble now than it is worth especially when the Fed has said time and time again that it's all going to be data-dependent. So we're eyeballing in Janet Yellen. Even the Fed has used considerable time in its directive. Um, when they do, you know, it's been quick to note that it's possible interest rate hikes can come sooner. So it's kind of at this point in time, we're really beating on the dead horse. Um, it's all going to be data dependent. And you can't blame the Fed for that. In the past, when the markets were a little more scared, you know, time sensitive was was important to say, like, hey, we got your back as long as you need it. So the FOMC has a dual mandate that it can't be satisfied with the trends on the inflation side of that mandate, suggesting in some way, shape, or form 
that they're starting to get a little bit more um, noticing. They're, they're taking their head out of the sand. The five-year forward inflation expectations rate dropped 2.07% yesterday from 2.3% in just October. So there's not a lot of inflation out there. Um, so the Fed doesn't really have to do anything until they're happy with the jobs and or happy that inflation or, or that they see that inflation is moving higher. They have to fight. They have to help the economy and fight inflation. It's a dual mandate. Um, but we've seen deflation in oil prices, widening of credit spreads, dislocations in currency markets, political and economic turmoil abroad, um, improving employment trends in the United States, which is nice. Um, so we're probably in a deflationary period on some levels, and that's worse than inflation for a lot of economists. We're going to be, have the ability to lower airfare line tickets. We're going to have the ability to lower cost of goods that you buy at stores because it's going to be cheaper to, to ship them to stores with a lower price of oil. Now, when that reverses, it's going to be ouch. Um, I forgot what $4 gasoline is when you're at $3 gasoline. Japan reported a 4.9% increase in exports and a 1.7% decline in imports both of which were weaker than expected. Russia said it will use foreign currency reserves to defend the ruble. FedEx came up shy of fiscal second quarter earnings per share expectations, but reaffirmed its 2015 outlook. Will any of that matter? You know, today it's going to all be about the Fed, I think. Famous last words, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Years wrapping up, so it's a good time to talk. Um, it's especially a good time not to be shy and not to be nervous. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Interesting. Um, so... I had an email. Oops. Looks like we have a quick phone call. Let's go to Paul. Are you there, Paul? I am. Good morning, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. All right. Hey, uh, over, over, I've listened to you for quite a while. Over time, we've talked about a few stocks, and we talked about TripAdvisor. Um, I've been holding it for a while with pretty decent gain, and you, you've mentioned, uh, spoken highly of the company. I just was wanted to get your take about uh, valuation and what you think uh, is ahead for the stock. Yeah. Um, let me bring up that during the next segment. So that'll give me a little bit more time to get into it and pull up some research for you. Um, I think that might be more helpful than a, just a quick reply. So when we come back, I'll be able to jump on that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. I'll come back and talk TripAdvisor when we come off the break. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back.
So before we went to break there, I got a phone call from someone who wanted to talk about TripAdvisor. Um, no problem. Ticker symbol is Trip. Publicly traded company. It's had a remarkable uh, up and down kind of year. <clears throat> Basically gone from 75 to 105, back to 80, back to 105, 110, back down to 70. So lots and lots of drama. I own no shares of TripAdvisor. <clears throat> I should always try to like reference what I own and don't own, especially when I'm talking about positive or negative. In the last two years, it's gone from 40 to 70. Now, at one point in time, it went to 40 to 110. So that can get people kind of freaked out. Probably no TripAdvisor. I think this industry is continuing to consolidate online travel services. They provide Expedia. They do a search engine and directory that matches hotels with flights and packages. They've got 60 million users. They partner with Hotwire, Hotels.com, American Airlines. Uh, they've got 30 localized versions in France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Spain, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's kind of nice. Like if you're going to Napa, the city of Napa, and you want to find the best hotel in Napa, uh, or the most romantic, or... Uh, the best reviews. Their website and their app allows you to kind of figure this all out. <clears throat> I would say their negative is that they're heavily tied towards the web and not as much mobile. They're okay at mobile. But that jump from desktop to mobile is a pretty formidable one. Um, now, Walmart Sam Club has launched an app for travel, and that affects TripAdvisor, TravelZoo, Priceline. A friend of mine got his an amazing vacation, amazing vacation to Mexico at Costco, and he raves about it and tells all his friends, and he's going to get his friends to say, you know what, I don't need Expedia, I don't need Priceline, I don't need TripAdvisor. Amazon may introduce a travel website soon. So there's some competition. Oppenheimer sees TripAdvisor as a $90 stock. Uh, Click-based revenue could remain pressure for the near term. They remain positive on the longer term, potential and opportunity ahead. It looks better to monetize its vast and growing online user base. Hmm. Airbnb, I think, is a big negative. It's a very disruptive force. Um, I've used Airbnb, and I love it. So you go to Tahoe... You jump on Airbnb, you find an owner who has a reputable, good reputation, and you snag it. And suddenly, instead of staying in a resort, you're staying at home. And I think younger people, the trend is that they like that kind of transaction, the millennials, more so than they like the personalization. Uh, Airbnb's latest innovation in temporary lodging for travelers, but the company itself does not provide any physical rooms. Um, it serves as a means of connecting people who wish to rent out rooms, apartments, or entire houses on a short-term basis. Airbnb handles the reservation booking process over the net internet, but persons renting their property called host set the price and availability dates for the properties. Properties can be listed for as short as a single night or as long as a monthly basis. The host of each property can, you know, determines the type of rental they wish to have. This negative out there on TripAdvisor is that we are moving more from desktop to mobile. Um, so I got that out there. Uh, I don't know if I'm giving you a good answer. I don't know if I'm giving you enough. Um, Customer-oriented, internet-based, no real comps. So, and I'll say this about TripAdvisor: they, Google's suffering the same problem right now. Is that they're really they were a dominant desktop company, and mobile uh, people are using apps more so than searching. So that's a, something to consider and weigh on. Let's go to Dennis. He's on the phone. 800-516-1220. Dennis, still Hi, with Mike. us? Hey. Yeah, I think the symbol on Yahoo is Y-H-O-O. Sure. Um, um, do you, get your take on Yahoo as a, a holding. Do you own it? I, I, I just bought it, yeah. What price did you pay? Forty nine ninety nine. Okay. To me, Yahoo, very simply, is a company that struggles. They've got great leadership at this point in time, Russ Mayer. 
as far as vision, she's very much so mobile, and a lot of people believe that her vision's going to come to a nice fruition. I wouldn't really look at the PE of the company because the company's really not earning a lot of money on their own. I'd look for sales, price to sales ratio. Um, roughly a $49 stock at this point in time, 49.50. 52-week high of 52, 52-week low of 32. I think Yahoo at this point is a play on Alibaba, more so than a play on Yahoo. And that may be a little bit kind of freak out kind of statement. <clears throat> that may not be something that you're totally comfortable hearing. Um, thanks for the call, by the way. So would I buy Yahoo? I would if I wanted to play Alibaba because of the amount of money that they still own in Alibaba. They've picked up companies. Yahoo has like bright roll. Um, it's one of their bigger acquisitions recently. Um, Bank of America has a buy grading on Yahoo as of last week. Not a lot of news on the stock. Um, Yahoo considering buying BlackBerry. Uh, that's one of those rumors out there. Um, a lot of people, some analysts think that Alibaba could buy Yahoo as a tax efficient way of, you know, doing a buyback. Uh, George Soros' fund just bought 5 million shares in Alibaba. Uh, 4.4 million shares in Alibaba and 5 million shares in Yahoo. <clears throat> um, I see one price target of $60 on it. Um, Friedman Billion Ramsey's. Reflected Alibaba's stock appreciation, partially offset by lighter assumed Yahoo share repurchase from a higher stock price. A slight dilution from the recently announced Bright Roll acquisition. Yahoo offers a low-cost play on Alibaba with the potential for improved core Yahoo performance as new initiatives, mobile, native, social, and video likely start to overcome core display pressure. So it's, it's a bet a little bit on the future, but uh, it's a big bet on it's bet a little bit on their future of being able to figure out a business model, but it's a really a, kind of a big bet on Alibaba. Um, and again, that's what you got going with it. So Alibaba, we don't know a lot about at this point in time. And when I, <clears throat> what I mean by that, excuse me, I'm struggling here with my, my voice today. Um, we haven't seen enough trading quarters out of Alibaba to really, you know, figure out where their stickiness is, where their problems are. But Alibaba, take my word for it, is a big competitor to Amazon and Apple and basically every American tech company. It's the biggest tech company in China, and they want to expand. Uh, they've opened offices in the Bay Area. They're going to go after acquisitions. They will get bigger. Uh, using just their share price alone to fund acquisitions. And again, a lot of people don't grasp that's one of the powers that Apple and Amazon and uh, Facebook and Alibaba have is that they don't have to pay for cash uh, deal. They can issue shares. And as long as they're worth, you know, $500 billion, $400 billion, $300 billion, it's pretty easy to buy into competition. It's pretty easy to buy into innovation. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Gene Munster continues to think that there's a Apple TV out there. Now, keep in mind, Gene Munster, he's one of those analysts who's pretty good. But for the past four years, he's predicted that Apple will release a television in the next year, and he's been wrong each year. So he's still out there saying, you know, I still think it's coming. <laughs> ah! Um... So we got that going for us, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Taking a look at um, the market today, Fed Open Market Committee statement is going to be released at 11 Pacific time. The focus is going to be on whether the Fed maintains considerable time language 
it seems kind of silly, but that's what we're focusing in on. Strength everywhere today on the stock market minus industrial stocks. Crude oil remains pressured. The Dow Jones transport average underperforms. I did get an email yesterday from someone asking, like, hey, do you think um, now it's time to buy airplane stocks, travel stocks? And I'm like, well, you typically, you're a little late to the party because it's kind of a no-brainer at this point in time. Um, FedEx, maybe. Think about some other transport stocks that will benefit, maybe other than just the airplane stocks. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. We're talking money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big webinar coming up tomorrow night. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's a webinar tied towards, webinars are free, uh, tied towards income planning, retirement, Take a break here. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Today, we have a market that's unlike yesterday. Pretty common to uh, be as volatile as we are. On a day-by-day basis, the market makes almost no sense. And it's frustrating for some works out over time is the best way of explaining it just look at a history of the stock market for the last hundred years and yes we too will be like Rome at some point in time our society will fail that's the thought I'm not sure but that's the thought but I trust in that hundred year history at this point in time more so than I trust in you and your crazy theories or the guy who's on radio who talks about how you're not smart enough to do this yourself. The S&P 500 up 13 today, the Dow up 85, the NASDAQ up 21. The stock market goes up 7 out of 10 years. It goes up during world wars. It goes up during assassinations of presidents. It goes up during economic collapsing times like you know the great stock market crash the great recession that we just came out of, um, it's okay. Now, again, someone out there is going to be like hell-bent on death and despair, and that's fine. Not me, but you could be that person. Um, I look at the savings rates of Americans, and I'm, I know that we're in trouble. I look at our 10-year Treasury bond and know that if you're saving in a conservative fashion, it's not going to help you much. So I expose myself to growth. When you make that decision, there's going to be more volatility. The United States government will pay 2% over the next 10 years to you know, hold your money and give it back to you. That's not enough for me. Um, I need more than that. So just saying, you know. Um, Christmas trees. Always fun to talk about it. A history that started in 1530 in Germany, uh, which was present-day France. They started selling trees in the town market to be bought, brought home and set up inside undecorated. The use of such trees grew until in the 1800s when German immigrants introduced the Christmas tree to the United States. 200 years later, Christmas trees in America have become a big business. Last year, we bought 33 million real trees. Talk about a massacre. It's the, tree ma- the great tree massacre. Uh, 
Um, hey, you give us oxygen. We're going to massacre you. They spent an average of $35.30 per tree last year. 14.7 million Americans bought fake trees last year. That's crazy. If you think about, like, who who's amassing this army of fake trees? They spent an average of $81.30 per fake tree. But you get to use it again. Combined, Americans spent $2.3 billion on Christmas trees last year. That's kind of a big number. The White House will display 26 different trees this year and a gingerbread house weighing over 300 pounds, which begs the question of why? The world's largest tree is in Gubbio, Italy. Another reason to hate the Italians, because they make these ginormous trees that are monstrous and out of proportion that will one day wreak havoc on the world. It's made out of a thousand lights. It's got five miles of cable laid out on the side of Mount Ingio. It measures 2,460 feet high, 1,476 feet wide. Pope Francis lit the tree this year using a tablet to flip the switch. Are you all Christmas treed out? Because <laughs> I certainly am. Um, just, I don't know. The things we spend money on are kind of humorous. Um, consumer prices in the United States declined by the most in six years on fuel costs. That's good for the consumer. Cost of living in the U.S. fell. And that means basically, hey, we got a wage increase anywhere. And one of our biggest, bigger costs, not biggest, but gasoline, means that at the end of the month we'll have a little extra money to throw into the economy. Persistently low inflation allows Fed policymakers um, to exercise patience in raising the benchmark interest rates that they've held near zero since 2008. Long time. Biggest loser in all that is old people who've been just trying to save money in CDs and be conservative. They're sort of forced to be aggressive. Now, when you take a look at those consumer prices that came out, yes, we had a drop in gasoline, but we had gains or more costs tied towards rent, medical care, airline fares, um, but a big drop in clothing costs. Biggest drop in clothing costs in 16 years and largest fall in price for used cars and trucks since September of 2012. Airfares kind of a stickler for me is I, I don't know it's the whole airline industry if companies like Virgin America keep revolutionizing it great but I, I, ugh, it's not a fun industry to work with Delta Airlines is amongst the companies benefiting from both the drop in fuel cost and an improving economy that means the carrier will be able to secure you know as much if not all the fuel savings directly to the bottom line for 2015 demand is very very solid so, and they'll be buying at these prices for next year. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Big webinar coming up tomorrow night on income, investing, and retirement. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'll be going over the economy and some income stock ideas. CFP Chad Merchant will be going over the 10 pillars of income, retirement, planning issues. You can get a handout from his event over at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can sign up for the event there as well.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Did a couple phone calls today for sure on Yahoo and TripAdvisor. Um, this hack attack thing with Sony, it does bring up, you know, obviously security issues, but even more importantly, this is kind of a war. It's not as physically destructive, but maybe it is. The amounts of millions and millions and billions of dollars that are being cost at this point in time whether it's trade secrets or what have you, you know, one thought already is the United States government could start hosting, you know, web security for companies. Whoa. You think we're there yet? I, boof. Anyway, uh, that story's not going away. So, and I think that's got to be one of the biggest stories of the year. It's an active war. There's no doubt about it in my mind. The amount of damage and threats that have been done, uh, it needs to be shut down, and we need to find out who did it in, in sanctions. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Let's talk a little real estate here. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony, do you remember the movie Gung Ho? Uh, Gung Ho with um, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, 1986. Um, it was all about the Japanese coming to the United States and helping our automakers learn how to make cars better. We taught them how to drink beer and burp and how to play softball. Hilarity ensued. The tight Japanese management versus the loose American blue-collar worker. Um, I bring that up. Do you know why? Tell me. Because in the 80s, there was this big fear that Japan was going to buy all of New York. They bought a big building in New York. They bought the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners. How dare they buy an American tradition? Right? Yeah. What happened to Japan in the 90s? We, they were this economic superpower in the 80s. Right. In the 90s, they fell apart, and America became the economic superpower. We, we, we hand the batons off from time to time, and things change. But there was also this fear that Japan was going to buy all of our real estate, which is hilarious. Because just recently, China spent an enormous amount of money. They bought $725, $725 billion? Holy mackerel, what was that number? Um, they spent an enormous amount of money buying a piece of real estate in New York, the J.P. Morgan Tower, 60-story building. So there's now this fear, is China going to be buying, or is China the next Japan? And um, it wasn't just big buildings. It was uh, single-family residences, especially here in the Bay Area. There was a realtor down in San Jose said that they there was one block that they had, the, a foreign investor came in and bought um, several homes that were in foreclosure, didn't even move into the homes and then turned around and sold them at the, uh, recently. So, yeah, there was a big push of foreign investors in the United States. You know, the United States is one of the few countries in the world that a foreign investor can own property in. And it's in, and one of the reasons is it's, it's helping our real estate boom again. But those investors are drying up right now. That's one of the reasons why we've seen a stagnant uh, um, home sales growth and home price growth right now. So $725 million will get you a Manhattan office building with 60 stories. Just in case you're wondering if you have basically three quarters of a billion dollars lying around and you want to throw it out there. Um, again, I bring this up because things have changed a lot, and we always forget that. We always are now, and we live in the last three years. But, uh, you know, gung-ho. You know, who was the World Series champions in 1986? Uh, probably the Tigers. Or it's something. going to make you wax nostalgic. It was the New York Mets where Bill Buckner booted the ball. Okay. Um... Boston Celtics were big in tennis. Uh, Yvonne Lindell, the NCAA football champions, Penn State. The hottest model was Christy Brinkley. Like, that's pretty crazy stuff. Um, and again, real estate will work in another cycle again. The U.S. economy will work through another cycle again. We won't always be the best of the best. Some people would say that it's time for Europe to wake back up and be dominant. Um, so throw your investment dollars, not where the real estate's being bought now or who it's being bought by now. But where the area has been struggling sometimes is the right concept. Um, you know, 2013 is going to be remembered as the government shutdown year, but it's also going to be remembered as the European stock markets had a pretty good year, even though the European zone, European Union, 
is mired in you know sub zero percent growth or zero percent to n almost you know fractions. Um, so don't pay attention to now. Pay attention to where the ball's going. You know who made that famous, right? Bob Uecker, who knows? They say Wayne Gretzky changed hockey because he said, don't skate to where the puck is, skate to where the puck's going. And if you've ever played pickup hockey, um, it's exhausting. I mean, you skate, you skate, you skate, you skate, you finally get the puck and some jerk pushes it to the other side of the rink, so you skate, you skate, you skate, you skate. So you got to figure out where it's going. Anyway, same thing in real estate, same thing with investing. That's Tony Mendez. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. U.S. and Cuba have signaled a big shift. Um, basically, they let out a prisoner. I know you're saying, does these kind of transactions still happen? An American aid worker, Alan Gross, he's been held in Cuba for five years. Uh, some sort of prisoner exchange went on, and ticker symbol Cuba, a mutual fund, is moving much higher. On news, the President Barack Obama and Cuban President Raul Castro will both give public statements today. Obama will make his statement from the cabinet room. Castro will speak at the same time on international relations with the United States. Who is Alan Gross and why was he in prison for five years? He was a long-term, or he is a long-time supporter of Jewish causes and a career development consultant who traveled the world on private contracts before taking his Cuba assignment. Uh, he had only previously visited Cuba once in very limited Spanish. He worked for a company called Developed Alternatives, which had a $6 million deal to promote democracy and support political dissidents. During his trips to Cuba, he imported banned satellite communication devices and other high-tech gear in his luggage and helped install it at Jewish centers in Havana. <clears throat> so... Uh, this is interesting to note that this is the reason that maybe now the United States and Cuba seem to be appearing to head into diplomatic relations with each other. 800-516-1220. Um, it's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, money, investing, and more, pick up the phone, give me a call, 800-516-1220. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. That's rob at robblackshow.com. Uh, big event coming up tomorrow night, <clears throat> last one of the year. And at some point in time, I'm just going to flat out stop doing all of these because I will retire from them. It's a webinar, the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. <laughs> trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. It's business, it's business time. I know what you're trying to say, you're trying to say it's time for business, it's business time. Ooh. It's business, it's business time. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, we're in the bathroom brushing our teeth. That's all part of it. That's foreplay. Foreplay is very important in love. I'm black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. But it's still very important. Let's bring in Dr. Jeff Rosen, chief economist with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. Over yourself? I'm good. Good. Uh, things seem to be seem to be getting along, if you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> which I'm thrilled with. Um, economically speaking, we're all waiting for Fed Chairman Janet Yellen in the chat. Uh, anything, any surprises that you think come? I, you know, I don't think so. You know, I think everyone's caught up on, you know, will they take away the um, considerable time wording from the from the statement? Uh, you know, I think the, you know, I think the consensus is that they'll take that away. And if they don't, I think it might be a little bit more of a of a dovish statement than the consensus expects. I'm, but in the whole scheme of things, I think the language is pretty much a, a moot point. I think that you know we've heard from Janet uh, many, many times that the Fed's data dependent. I think they're going to just stay along that story. And, and now, instead of you know you know talking about the slack in the labor market, I think they'll continue and just talk about the slack in the uh, inflation sector. 
You know, the fact that prices are growing below uh, Fed target levels would you know, give ammunition for the Fed to continue on its current path of low rates, and I think that uh, that's what the emphasis is going to be. The plunge in oil has to be a pretty shocking economic development as far as uh, the ramifications. Just It was pretty fast. I mean, it's been a pretty crazy two weeks. Any thoughts from the economist standpoint on what we can expect to play out? Well, I mean, generally what we say is that a $20 drop in oil in a year would produce a quarter percentage point gain in economic growth. So if we stay at these rates uh, next year, you know, and we'll average about $40, $50 below where we were in 2014, you would expect that GDP, just based on uh, the improvements in oil, would add a half percentage point to GDP growth. And, and that's significant. I mean, we're talking about going from, you know, 25 to 3% or even 3% to 3.5%. Uh, it would do a lot for consumption gains. It would do a lot for uh, improvements in the trade deficit. The negative takeaways, you know, mostly fall on the oil sector, you know, in the, in the fracking industry and the mining. And we wouldn't really see that impact until 2016 because the lackluster, uh, well, I guess the drop in oil, what it does is it makes the investments more expensive and not lucrative. So you have a pullback in investment, and the lack of production from pullback in investment usually takes about a year. Any other economic news out there that you think we should be focusing in on? Anything with good sign, bad sign? I'm, yeah, I'm still going back to that November employment report. We had, you know, a really nice gain in income. It was, you know, according to the data, it was about a 0.9% increase in earnings. You know, I, I said last week that I thought it was going to translate into uh, an above consensus uh, retail sales gain, which is what happened. You know, if we still keep these income gains, you know, moving at that type of pace, we'll have you know, fairly good uh, consumption growth going ahead. And one of the areas that you could start to see, uh, you know, more normalizing of economic gains, you know, would be for the inflation rate to pick up. And, you know, if you have income gains at, you know, 0.91% for an extended period of time, it's hard to believe that you wouldn't see some demand pull inflationary pressures as companies would be more willing to uh, pass on some of the higher prices in, in its core uh, material goods that they haven't passed on over the past few years because uh, income growth just wouldn't let these companies to do so. So you might see a little bit better profit margins and the like. And I think that overall we could start seeing uh, a more generalized acceleration in economic growth. So uh, you know, I, I know one month data is really not what you want to focus on in terms of outlying an entire year's worth of uh, economic trends, but. You know, I was really happy with that number, and especially since we've been seeing uh, very few layoffs with the initial claims level, you know, holding well below 300,000. You know, it seems that the situation is improving, and, and workers are going to be able to demand more wages, and, and things are going to get materially better. Interesting. Um, how about the ruble? Have you done any work on... We had a plunging dollar here in the United States, not so much, but a weak dollar for many, 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 many years. Any angle on the ruble that you want to throw out? I mean, you're talking different. Um, when you say we've had a weak dollar, you can't compare the weakness in the U.S. dollar to the uh, plunge in the ruble that we've seen over the last, you know, couple weeks. And realistically, it's going to put more of a geopolitical concern than an economic concern on the U.S. You know, what will Russia do? What will the internal factions of Russia do if their income levels and their ability to purchase deteriorate so quickly and buy so much? Uh, in terms of trade with the U.S., it, it's got a minimal effect. You'll have more of an effect on countries like Germany that have a much higher uh, interconnected trade relations. Um, but you know, realistically, on, on our side, it's more of is what is Putin going to do if he wants to stay in power? Is he going to have to 
you know, drops more nationalistic, to, you know, pride by doing more, you know, interventions in Ukraine or, or other uh, satellite countries, and that's the concern that I have. Uh, economically, it, you know, it's bad for the citizens of that country because of how fast it happened, but um, it has no impact, or very little impact, I should say, on the U.S. Any um, issues tied towards manufacturing that you want to bring up? I've heard some recent reports that eh, the manufacturing in the United States isn't all that it's being cracked up to be in the media, that it's actually weaker than the media portends it to be. No, I think the sector is doing fine. I mean, we've okay. had uh, you know pretty good gains in terms of uh, orders demand um, in the business capital side. We've had uh, decent production numbers. I mean, my, my biggest concern with the manufacturing sector is that we're seeing a lot of orders come in that aren't being fulfilled. So the backlogs are being uh, maintained at elevated rates, which seems kind of strange considering that there's still enough capacity that you could build out of that. So I don't know if manufacturers are not producing these orders because they're afraid they're going to be canceled in the near future and they don't want to get stuck with uh, with inventory that cannot be sold, or if there's some kind of constraint, be it a um, capital or labor constraint that is preventing uh, these businesses from manufacturing these goods, and it's just not showing up in the capitalization numbers. So maybe the, the total capacity levels are being... Uh, you know, inflated. There, there, you know, some deterioration of equipment that maybe not has been uh, replaced since the Great Recession is still showing up as as good, you know, equipment could be uh, causing a problem in that. And uh, I'm concerned and wondering why over the last few years we just haven't seen the uh, the reduction of these um, unfilled inventories. Thanks very much. Is there anything else you want to chime in on? Yeah, I mean, today we're going to find out what uh, Janet Yellen's thinking is. If she gets rid of the language, so be it. Uh, I don't think it's going to change any of the expectations of the first rate hike taking place sometime next year. Uh, and unless inflation um, picks up, it actually could wait until 2016. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen with Briefing.com. You can use Briefing.com as a trusted, reliable source of information on everything from the economy to the stock market, to individual stocks, to value. There is so much there for you to take a look at. You can go to briefing.com to learn just a little bit more. Uh, There's different tiers of subscriptions as well. You can find out more about me by going to robblack.com. I've got a YouTube page, Rob Black Show. I've got a Twitter account, Rob Black Show. And I've got an email account, rob at robblackshow.com. So that's that. Taking a look at the markets today, we have hmm, we have a better day than yesterday. Um, yesterday ended with a very sour note. It was being really pushed around by oil and Russia. What was going on? What was being said? What was the reactions? Ten-year Treasury, you know, it's it's at low levels. Again, I say this almost too repetitively, but 10-year Treasury at 2.09%, it tells me to buy stocks because bonds aren't going to be the answer. And I do think there's going to be some calamity, high-yielding bonds, i.e. junk bonds, as oil prices are heavily leveraged into a lot of high-yield bond funds. Um, So I think there's going to be some failures there, to say the least. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. A rumor has caused a rally that Bill Ackman was taking a stake in McDonald's and pushing the fast food giant to spend properties off in a tax-efficient real estate investment trust. Just a rumor. Bill Ackman's had a pretty good year. If he is targeting McDonald's, it would be the first time. In 2005, he took a stake in a, a company and realized hefty gains before he exited in 2007. Ackman's a pretty smart guy. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com.
Renting in the United States is now twice as expensive as buying a home. As rent soars across the United States, Zillow found that renting a home is half as affordable as buying one. Thus, in the third quarter of 2014, U.S. renters could expect to spend about 30% of their incomes on rent, while those buying homes could expect to spend about 15% of their monthly incomes on their mortgage payment. Now, that doesn't hold true in the Bay Area, but it's worthy of note what is going on in the rest of the country. Um, those who can come up with a down payment are better off buying, even in the least affordable metros like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle, and Boston. Renting was a more affordable option before the real estate market crashed, but since then, rent has increased, while the cost of buying a home has fallen in many places, so that renting is now the least affordable option. What are you looking for, though? You know, If you're renting a room or renting a flat for $3,000, Buying a home is going to, you know, you could probably get a mortgage, you know, $3,000 for sure a month. Uh, you're going to have to have a down payment. And uh, you're going to have costs that are associated with it that are high for homeowners. There's been big rainstorms here recently. And the difference between a uh, homeowner and, rain, uh, and a homeowner and, uh, renters, the homeowner, you know, gets out and cleans his gutters during rainstorms and renters stay inside and stay warm. Um, and they tell the next day, the landlord, oh, by the way, your gutters fell off. Someone should have got up there and cleaned those things. Um, 2015 is expected to be a breakthrough year for young buyers to enter the market, and a lot of the buyers will decide to buy because rent is unaffordable. And that's the thought, at least. Now, again, will it play out exactly like that? Nothing ever really does. But that's the thought. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Obama's announced easing in the U.S.-Cuba relations. There's a mutual fund that is tied towards Cuban investments. Um, the Hertzfield Caribbean Basin Fund. It's rocketing up today. Um, you know, Will there be a Cuban embassy? Not anytime soon. Um but that's worthy of note that a Cuban fund, uh, Cuban trade, ticker symbol Cuba, is uh, skyrocketing on this news. That's how walks. It's funny. And who would have ever thought out of any, anywhere would you have thought that Cuba was going to stand up and uh, make a relationship with the United States again? We'll see. Dow Jones transportation average underperforms today. Crude oil remains very pressured. The Fed Open Market Committee statement is what the day is all about, period. Uh, we're a market that has come to love low interest rates. And our economy is okay, but our stock market is a bunch better than okay based on the future uh, due to low interest rates. If rates were to rise to 3.5-4% right now, if like overnight that were to happen, this would be a horrible stock market. Um, you'd be crazy overvalued. So it's interesting the way that swings so far and so fast. Um, Sony has freed theaters from showing the North Korean film about the interview. Um, just a disaster. So literally the hackers are winning the agents for peace or whatever they're called. Um, so Sonny's backing out of showing the film, telling theaters you don't have to do it if you don't want to because there's been terrorist threats tied towards um, the theaters if they show it. FedEx results disappointed in the midst of the holiday shopping rush. They reported earnings for its November quarter that increased less than expected. Those shipping uh, benefited from higher volumes and margins. Ford is cutting about 20% from the cost of Swapping aluminum for steel in the F-150 body panels by sorting, cleaning, and returning scrap to the same mills that supply it with metal sheets. Online security firm Palo Alto Networks has said some mobile phones made by Chinese smartphone maker CoolPad Group contain software that allows the handset vendor to install applications on the user's phones without their knowledge, raising privacy and security concerns. Let's see if there's any other big... Oh, BlackBerry's launching a new phone that's meant to appeal to their old customers. It's a phone with a physical keyboard and trackpad. Yay. Just what I don't want in time for the holidays. 
So please, no cell phones for me this year. I don't want them. Um, other big stories of note. Um, Wall Street's rule of thumbs really didn't work this year terribly well. You know, the Christmas holiday Santa Claus rally, not so much. Uh, as January goes, so goes the year. Sell in May and go away. Those are all maxims that were little more than obscure mumblings uh, for many, many years that they didn't really work. January is packed with supposed clues and patterns uh, that we could take advantage of. In years since 1945, when January is up, the rest of the year was up 84% of the time for an average gain of 11.2%. When January was a loser, the rest of the year was slightly more than half the time. Um, with an average return of only two-tenths of one percent. So um, there's just so many maxims out there, and they're, they're kind of silly. You know, sell in May and go away. Does anyone actually go to cash on April 30th and stay on the sidelines until Halloween? Doubtful. This year, the S&P 500 was up more than 7% from May through October. The two worst months of the presidential cycle, largely overlapping this year with the sell in May period, the second and third quarters of midterm election year have been, over time, the worst of the four-year election market cycle. This year, those two quarters, we were up 7%. So be careful with Santa Claus rallying other such scenarios. Let me get my Santa yell. There we go. Big event coming up tomorrow night on income and retirement. It's a webinar. It's free. You can watch it from your computer, listen to it from your computer. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.